0: Hi, and welcome to the Crypto Writer Talks podcast. These talks are organized and hosted weekly by the people at the Crypto Writer's Discord. It's a space for crypto writers to talk shop and share their work. We have a great episode today. Ana Maria Caballero, an award-winning poet and essayist, reads us her sublime Async piece Kylo Ren and the Divine Feminine. And before the reading, she talks with fellow crypto poet Margaret Corvid about the Async short story and her NFT journey. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Margaret Corvid. I'm here with Ana Maria Caballero. Ana Maria is a first-generation Colombian-American poet and writer. Her work has won multiple awards, including the Beverly International Prize for Literature and Colombia's 2014 Jose Manuel Arango National Poetry Prize. Her writing has appeared in numerous outlets including the LA Review of Books, Tupelo Quarterly, Sundog Lit, and the
1: Southeast Review. Hi Anna Maria, thanks so much for joining me. Hi Margaret, thank you. It's an honor to always share a space with you. Thank you for that introduction. Uh,
0: well, it's really great to be here with you. Um, so you're going to be reading a work today uh, called Kylo Ren, and uh, the Divine Feminine. And I just thought I'd ask you a couple of questions about it.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Thank you.
0: No problem. Um, So this is a really interesting work. um, And it takes place over a 24 hour cycle and tells uh, a very powerful and a very intimate story. Um, So I'm just interested in how did you uh, think about uh, the
1: structure of this project and what are your main goals? Well, um, originally this project started out as a poem and I had put it on hold because the poem got really long and I knew that it would just be very difficult slash impossible to publish. So then I was working on other projects um, that seemed sort of uh, more tractable and I came across a Sync Arts 24-hour canvas. And so um, I thought that this poem was actually more of a short story that would be would work great on their platform. So I pitched it to a sync in my application. Um, and fortunately, they, they liked it. Um, so then I, I built it and so what, how it happens, how it works is that the um, platform changes every hour on the hour on a 24 hour, cycle and each hour a new section of the story is revealed and the story is kind of about being trapped within our thoughts so going about in a loop within a day um, worked really well with the theme of the story Um, and it also the story is also about how we kind of merge transcendental thoughts with very mundane You know, what am I going to have for lunch kind of thoughts during the day? You know, at one point we're thinking, what am I doing on this earth? Like, what's the point of my life? And then the next minute we're like, am I going to have the grilled cheese or the peanut butter for lunch? You know, and that quality of, of humanity, I've always found so fascinating, um, especially like when it's kind of uh, magnified by motherhood, where you're having thoughts in your head, that are constantly being interrupted. Um, So so that's how the story ended up finally finding a home thanks to this platform really.
0: Yeah, and it's really fantastic uh, to see it in its full pomp on Async Arts uh, because it's something that you can really only do in the NFT space to have this changing platform showing every hour a different piece of the puzzle, a different piece of the poem or story. And it's uh, something you can really only do in the world of NFTs. And it kind of makes me curious, uh, what is your story behind uh, your work in the NFT world? I mean, just looking at your bio, you've got all of this really awesome Traditional literary uh, engagement and uh, accolades. Uh, now you're in the NFT world. So, how did that happen?
1: Well, um, I think I was starting to get a little bored. To be honest, um, I wish the, it was a more sophisticated emotion, but if I have to be honest, it's pretty much boils down to boredom. Um, I I just felt like I was trapped in like <laughs> like my character in my story, trapped in the same day where I was writing and, you know, writing with so much effort and so much soul and heart that you put into your words, sending my work out, getting so many rejections, getting ex- accepted and published and awards, yes, but also feeling like once my work was published, the lifespan of a published poem is is nothing. Um, and it was published in these journals that might sort of have a name, but at the same time, there was no life, there was no reading, there was no interaction, um, and I just was kind of feeling like really questioning what, what I was doing, like why not just go sit at the beach or find another thing to do or take my kids to a playground or focus on my job that, you know, could obviously take much more of my attention. Um, so I, I found the NFT world um, by a New York Times article. I was already turning my poems into video poems that I was publishing on Instagram and getting a bit of, you know, traction there, not much, to be honest, um, and publishing them on Twitter too as Video Poems. And then I um, joined the Crypto Writers Discord, Callan Iwamoto's uh, Crypto Writers Discord. Callan helped me set up a wallet. She was amazing. And um, I guess... Someone there noticed my poems and eventually Artemis Wilde and Art Chick invited me to be part of Ether Poems. And those were my first NFTs. And then from there, I just started experimenting on other platforms and learning about more potential. Um, and now I'm you know, a big believer, complete believer in the NFT space and think that there's such an opportunity for text-based art uh, poetry, short stories, essays—you name it—to um, become to have a real audience, a real dynamic engagement, and connect with so many people via um, via NFTs and and this virtual world that's being created.
0: I I totally resonate with, with that story. Um, You know, as a poet myself, you know, it's so exciting and it's so interesting when you see a poem take on a life of its own and, and people interacting with it outside of the space of a journal that gets filed on a shelf outside of a the space of a poetry reading. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just curious if there's a difference uh, at all between the work that you offer in the traditional poetry space um, and uh, the work that you offer in the NFT world, and if there's kind of a unifying story
1: uh, behind your work in the NFT world? Um, generally, my poems, I would say, um, like if I was a type of poet, I would probably be A merger of a confessional and language poet. Um, My poems tend to be, in general, very straightforward and um, very personal. Um, I try to, you know, whatever statement is being made, usually, right? There's always poems that are different, but I usually try to communicate something deeper by um, telling a story that happens in the everyday. Um, because I think there's just so many layers to our lives. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I have poems that are probably more complex that I am still submitting to journals and longer too, um, that, that probably are, are more suited to a traditional publishing journal. But honestly, I think that, you know, once they're published in a traditional publishing world and are out there, um, I want to turn them all into NFTs because I have faith the space has um, the room for it, um, the mental and the emotional room for, for poetry that is a little more demanding. Um, the poetry mostly that I've released so far is, um, it tends to be shorter and more direct just because, you know, the video poems, um, I, I want them to not be so long, um, just for like, just practical purposes almost. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in exploring that for sure.
0: So it's really exciting to hear about all of the different ways um, that you're able to offer your work as an NFT and and just get people to see it. Um, If there's somebody who's new to the space, um, how can they visit your work? And uh, if they're interested in purchasing uh, your NFT, how can they go ahead and do that?
1: Well, my story that I'm about to read, Kylo Ren and the Divine Feminine, is available um, as an edition of one on Async Art, Um, but my NFTs are also available on Hiket Nunk, Foundation, OpenSea, for now. Those are the platforms where I'm working on. And um, I also wanted, Margaret, to invite you, please, to tell any reader or listener, I guess, where they can find your work, because your poems are also so personal and so meditated. And I would love um, for people to really encounter them and engage with them.
0: Well, that is a really nice thing to say. Um, Basically, if you want to have a look at my work, um, if you go to uh, Behold the Field on OpenSea, which is OpenSea. All alloneword.io um, you can see all my collections and my face and you can sort of read a bunch of the different types of poems that I do. I do formal poems as well as free verse and I've also got a number of ether poems uh, for sale uh, on the secondary market. Um, some still and some video. In order to see the ether poems you just go to OpenSea and you type in the word ether poems all one word into the search bar and you'll see there's two collections there ether poems and ether Poems spoken word Um, and then you can scroll through there and find my name and check them out and thank you very much
1: awesome that's wonderful that's great Um, well thank you margaret for taking the time um, to chat with me i hope that we have another opportunity to discuss poetry and publishing and the blockchain soon?
0: Well, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we'll be seeing each other around. Uh, And the other thing I think people should know is that Ana Maria was just accepted into a curated NFT site called Known Origin. She's going to be one of the first people publishing poems on the site as NFTs. So go to knownorigin, all one word, .io, and search for Ana Maria Caballero. And in the near future, you might see her genesis drop on known origin.
1: <laughs> we'll see, we'll see.
0: Right Thank on. You, Margaret,
1: that's very, very sweet of you. Um uh, fun. Thank you. Hello, my name is Ana Maria Caballero. I'm a first-generation Colombian-American, award-winning poet and essayist. I will be performing my piece Kylo Ren and the Divine Feminine. It is a story in verse built on the Async Art Platform's 24-hour canvas, which updates every hour on the hour to reveal a new section. My story tells the unravelling of a woman grappling with overwhelming emotions of failure, of neglect, of loneliness but also of desire. It is a story that can be started at any given hour and loops around endlessly, but I will begin reading at 6 a.m. and finish at 5 a.m. Thank you for listening. Kylo Ren and the Divine Feminine, 6 a.m. It's only a matter of time until I run into him until i see his face in real life a matter of time and of options we live in the same neighborhood we both have a kid it will not matter that his is a toddler still playgrounds in this neighborhood are hard to come by there are essentially two Either you go to Pierrepont or you head north on the promenade to Harry Chapin, though you could say the promenade itself is a playground. I cannot count the afternoons I've spent on its benches while my kids scooters back and forth, forth and back. Once I got distracted watching the Staten Island Ferry disembark, no, that's not right people disembark. Ferries unload. Of course, the promenade's far from the ferry, so you can't see individual bodies stand up and walk off. But you can see the docked boat and imagine what's going on. It's easy to picture a horde of unrelated people as if suddenly choreographed gather rumpled bags and bunched coats before treading onto solid land. This is what my mind was doing when I lost track of my kid. I remained calm. The promenade is like a playground because there, kids, as in playgrounds, are trapped. They must really want to get out to get out. And most kids don't. Obviously, I found my kid. He was behind a family eating cones toward Pierpont, where the ice cream truck parks. I didn't get mad. I bought us clown face popsicles, which we ate on a bench, and stood up and walked off. 8 a.m. I am moving too slowly this morning and now need to rush to get myself and my kid out of the house. My husband asks if I'm okay. I confirm that I'm tired. He asks why, since we went to bed so early, and gives me an adult, intimate look. The whole exchange is nice, tender, on account of my performance last night. I don't tell him or my kid about the movie watching because it would get me into some form of trouble. I'm a bad liar, but not terrible at excluding truth. I learned this from my editor. There's no dishonor in omitting fact, but danger skulks when you slip into untruth. 9 a.m. My kid has two, maybe three, playground years left in him. He just got old enough to withstand Star Wars, though I help him past the scary parts. He's afraid of Maul and Vader and Snoke, but mostly the deathly iteration of Emperor Palpatine at the end of Rise of Skywalker. To be precise, My kid fears Palpatine when he is alone on screen, but not once Ren and Ray arrive to beat him. In fact, despite Palpatine, this scene is my kid's favorite part. I recognize this is a contradiction, but children are allowed their imprecisions. We've watched the final Palpatine scene something like 35 times, side by side, knees bent, feet propped atop our asphalt gray couch. My kid fast forwards the boring parts so we can cram the entire film between dinner and bedtime or until my husband comes out of his desktop to lift the control from our kid's hand and click the TV off. 10 a.m. A sizable part of the reason why I jumped my husband last night is that he wore all black pajamas, so I had to bring his chest to mine. That's what I wanted not the sex of the sex, but a male trunk stripped of black cloth like kylo's in that one desperate scene when the jedi girl ray gets her chance to see his bare scarred abdominal skin the double-fanged red cross saber a hum by his side 11 a.m. last week i walked into my editor's office prepared to break the news gently tell him i was sorry A damn shame that the exclusive on the charismatic candidate for district attorney turned up with a fatal flaw. No omission could make the parts that were true saleable again. The candidate didn't grow up poor. She attended a private all-girls high school right outside her storybook town. I don't get why she told such a reckless lie. I didn't need to prod deep to hit fact. My editor was furious, began yelling about women fucking shit up. Fortunately, it was just me in his office. Most of the newsroom had cleared out to eat lunch. So no one could think it was me who fucked shit up. 12 p.m. Many people from the office go for walks during lunchtime. It can't be strange that now I do too. Though I began to do this recently, which may seem by correlation odd. 1 p.m. A few blocks north of Union Square, I stop. I see the sign above an eyebrow threading shop new books. Wishing to know what someone could mean exactly by those words, I pull on the heavy gray door below the sign and climb up. Each narrow step creaks like a single seagull at dawn. Steps that screech remind me that once I was a little kid. I'm uncertain why this is Upstairs, I find a new-age bookshop. The 20-something-year-old behind the desk does not acknowledge my presence. I'm looking for new books, I say. We only got new cards in, he responds. He signals a stack of small, shiny cardboard boxes on a folding table in the center of the shop. My joke lost. I walk over to the boxes. Angel cards. What are these, I ask. You ask a question, he mumbles, and the cards answer back. 2 p.m. Last night after sex, my kid and husband deep into sleep, I folded myself inside our tarmac gray couch and watched the rise of Skywalker. I didn't fast forward to the parts where Ren unwraps his skin, or he and Ray win. I watched the whole thing in real movie time, earned each scene of sabred PG-13 aggression, which to be honest, I consume like desire. 3 p.m. Science fiction is different from new wave shit. My husband calls it shit, by the way. I call it God. New wave God. 4 PM. The day that followed his deception-induced paroxysm, my editor asked me to his wooden office for lunch. I normally go there during this time anyway, but he dialed my direct cubicle line, requested I meet him for lunch. I didn't envision an apology, though the thought crossed my waking mind. More so, I imagined he'd tender a deli offering, then gesture to the marked copies of news stories he lays out flat on his massive desk like white, empty plates. But his desk was bare, and he never offered wrapped food. 5 p.m. My kid is silent on our walk home after school. I'm silent, too. I want to ask him things so he answers back. But I am afraid to probe the abstract. It hurts to emerge empty-handed. Also I am like him, or perhaps it is he who is like me. We both long to be coiled up in thought. This type of knowledge builds up in me so that, during moments like these, I wonder if it's the sort of thing I should teach my kid. Teach him that it's our similarities that draw us apart. Tonight we should watch one of the old Luke and Leia episodes, I offer. Okay, Ma, he responds, but also a bit of Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely, I return. I set my husband's dinner on a large metal tray. My husband needs a lot of time to work to make his dreams come true, so I make sure he's undisturbed and serve him a lot of food. My husband says I should never worry about helping others. By helping him build his micro-lending business, I help the world, he says. Together we are changing lives, one tiny debt at a time. 7 p.m. While I clean up, I put on Star Wars and let my kid play with my angel cards. I tell him the cards must stay between us. I trust him because so far he's been good at keeping our secrets. Are the cards angels, he asks? They're not, I tell him. The idea behind them is this. When you have a question, the world wants to answer it. So if you ask while shuffling the deck, the card you pull answers you, though not in the same way questions are answered in school. The card is a tool for you to figure out your question. Like when you ask the internet how to cook something hard, it gives you many options. You must shuffle through these to find one that feels right. The cards are algorithms that wager probability versus potential, I think, but decide against speaking the words outright. 8 p.m. This is the part where I lead my kid by the shoulder into my bedroom and read him to sleep. I do this every night, though he's old enough to read on his own. Yes, because I love it, but also this and Star Wars are my only chances to consume science fiction. Busy as I am fact-checking the stories I go to my editor's wooden office to pick up. 9 p.m. At our current pace, my kid and I will finish Le Guin's Earthsea Chronicles in seven more nights although that's not an entirely accurate statement. We skipped Tombs of Atwan and Tehanu. Factually, we're not about to complete the series, just the volume where Sparrowhawk saves the world from forgetting to remember itself. We skipped the tomes with female leads, I'm sorry to admit, but I've tried reading stories to him with female protagonists and he grew bored. To be fair, he was young when we started a wrinkle in time, and he's not ready for the carnage of hunger games, though he's close. We get through books slowly because after a few pages he passes out, at which point I read ahead from the same book until my husband comes out of his desktop to cart our kid over to his bedroom then return to sink into our big matrimonial bed. 10 p.m. Sometimes I pass out with my kid and don't feel my husband come in. Others I fake sleep until my body slips into the real thing. Last night I couldn't sleep at all, not even after I accosted my husband. For a long time afterwards I laid corpse still, breath slowed, distilled. I could not stop thinking about Kylo Ren, my entire body a witness to the scene of his redemption when his eyes collapse into the Jedi girl's eyes right before his body dies. 11pm. I'm awake when my husband comes in. I find ways to let him know what can be his. 12 AM. I am unable to get over the fact that Ren is gone before he has at force sex with Ray. His badness heals, but he does not. He fades into a force ghost. Leaves Ray to solve the universe alone. I get up from the big matrimonial bed and travel to the concrete gray couch. Feet propped, knees bent, I play the movie yet again, equipped to wait two hours to behold Ren's soul atone for evil at the end. At first, Ren's badness isn't entirely his fault. But he holds on to it for too long, cuts a costume out of it until badness becomes his fault. I'm aware it's a story that a real man pretends to be Wren, reading out loud words someone else invents, yet I sense experience in the act. I memorize how the face of the actor smiles to prove his character's return from bad, the shift in the shape of his eyes. Learn what the trip requires. 1 a.m. My kid got the angel cards right away. Okay, mommy, ask it a question, he said while shuffling. In my head, I asked when I might encounter Wren, but my voice said, what book should I read my kid next? Ma, he protested, you can't ask that. It's not like asking questions at school, remember? Let's just try, I shrugged and pulled out a card. My hand held the card of the goddess, of the divine feminine. You know, I said, We'll read The Golden Compass next. 2 AM. The film ends. Is it early in the morning or late in the night? My body can't tell. I want so much more, but I want it to come quietly, without killing me. I go on the internet to search up the actor. I read everything the internet offers. Algorithms wager potential versus probable pathways to him. Is he a body who sleeps? My household sleeps. Does my editor sleep? Does he have a wife? The actor has a wife. They met at Juilliard. They are private. They share a small son. Their home is close to mine. In Tehanu, one of the Laguin Earthsea books I didn't read to my kid, men are described as nuts, solid iterations of their own desire throughout. I am certain the actor is a kernel of salvation, certain that in his phase lies something basic. I might understand. At the same time, I recognize he is just another man that his abdomen in real life remains unscarred. Solitude makes room for contradiction. 3 a.m. Because science fiction imagines the future, it reveals how people see themselves today as they are. The stories aren't fictional but a projection of the self through time. Ellen Watts said that, not I. I think about this statement a lot because I love science fiction so much I would prefer to understand why. Maybe I like to imagine a future where gadgets make life easier easier as in better beds would be self-making shirts self-folding dishes self-cleaning news self-checking food self-cooking sleep self-finding families couldn't be self-rearing that's impossible but all you'd have to do is love them not work for their love 4 a.m. There are additional playgrounds on the reef fashioned piers below the cliff wall of the heights. But the walk down is cold and it drops you by the water where the wind makes everything colder. Pierpont, Chapin, Promenade. It doesn't matter that his kid is quite a bit older than his. It's a matter of time and of options. 5 a.m. Watts also said that all of us are already gods. Or did he say that each of us is God? I should confirm this tomorrow or rather today. The difference is significant because when I think of God, I smell vinegar. But when I think of God's, I smell laughter. So they cannot be the same wave. Even with my kid, it's so hard for me to unfasten my face and laugh. The card of the goddess says that in every woman, there's a maiden, a mother, a matriarch. I can be more precise the goddess card reads maiden mother mother matriarch precision is good because it produces clarity maybe I want to return to my editor's office stare at the grains in the wood paneling bring him sliced Tightly wrapped cold meats. My household sleeps. I should return to bed before my husband wakes. How is it daybreak all over again? Thank you so much for listening.